As we get ready to, to get started, let me try again. As we get ready to, uh, to get started in our, our Bible time today, I just want to remind you of something. Each week, if, we're, if we don't remind people, we know you forget when you come in person that one of the most powerful ways you can invite somebody to church is simply by sharing online. It's like easier than ever. And so those of you who are online, I noticed before I walked up, only 20 people on Facebook actually shared the service so far. That's only 20 people who wanted their friends to hear about Jesus this week. And, on, and I don't know on YouTube because it doesn't show us in the same way. And so this is, I'm, I will give you permission right now. Take out your phone, invite somebody, because this might be the message that they need to hear that could bring transformation to their life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of his word. And so don't forget each week to go ahead and share and invite people uh, to join us. If you, want to, if you need to learn how to do that, you let us know. We'll let you know. Uh, we'll give you a tutorial on it. But... Uh, the, one of the things that's really exciting that I want to mention as well before we get into the teaching today is that uh, we have a team that left this weekend from here at Moncton Wesleyan to go down to Louisiana because if you've been watching the news, you know that Louisiana had a horrible hurricane, which has happened there again and again. And we have teams from right here at Moncton Wesleyan who have been trained by World Hope to provide fresh water, to go down and set up filtration systems. And so our team left this weekend to go down from Moncton to Louisiana to meet the needs of those in crisis and provide fresh drinking water for the residents there. And so right now, no team, because some of you, I don't know if you're out on the streets right now working or if you all took a break this morning to watch us on the live stream, but no Moncton Wesleyan and World Hope team, we are praying for you. Amen? Amen. And so we pray that God would bless and use you to make a difference in the world. God's love in us to the world. Amen? Okay. So let me ask, how many of you are ready to study God's word? Voici la question. Nous sommes prêts. Are you ready to study God's word today? Okay. Now we're going to start today in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, which is one of the most famous verses in all of scripture. Could you read it with me? Let's read it out loud together. If you're a super loud reader like me, you want to, might you want to grab your mask. Uh, but uh, go ahead and read this with me together. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. How many of you love that verse? That is a beautiful, beautiful verse that just speaks uh, encouragement into our, into our lives to know that God has good plans for us, that he wants to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. I mean, who would not love that verse? And so here's what we tend to do. We tend to think, well, Apparently, if God wants all this good stuff for me, has good plans for me, then God and I want the same thing that I want because, because if God wants good things for me and I want good things for me, then God and I both want the same things for me. So therefore, whatever I choose to do in my life, God is going to bless it. And so we begin to think, this way. We think that, well, whatever, I, whatever school I decide to go to, God is going to prosper me. 
Whatever, whatever career path I choose to take, God is going to prosper me. Whatever relationships or lifestyle I choose, God's going to bless me. Whatever I choose to do with my money, God is going to bless me. Why? Because look right here at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. But there's a problem with that. And the problem is this. You see, when we interpret this verse that way, it will lead to all kinds of pain and confusion and frustration in our relationship with God. If we think that God just wants to bless whatever we choose to do, and here's why. Because if you look really carefully at this verse, notice whose plan is this verse really about? Notice, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. See, see, it's not about your plans for you. It's about his plans for you. And that's a big difference. It's a really big difference. In fact, it's a big difference that I think many Christians, and I've even heard teaching in many churches that fail to recognize that it's not just God choosing to bless whatever I want to do with my life. What I'm, what I'm about to say goes against the inaccurate and unbiblical thinking that many Christians have bought into. Here's what we need to understand. That God has not promised to bless plans he was never involved in making. Whoa, that, that's kind of a kick in the gut. <laughs> but, but when we understand this, it begins to change our perspective on so many things that, that God has not promised to bless plans that he was never involved in making. You see, we live in a very touchy-feely world that, that kind of says, well, you know, Whatever you choose to do, whatever you, wherever you want to go, God loves you so much that he's going to bless you. But in order to come to Jesus, you have to realize that God is not and has never been interested in just going according to your plan or, or, or according to what the world says. What he's interested in is getting you involved in his plan because his plan is the one that is good. And so let's, let's just imagine for a minute something kind of fun. Let's imagine that all this coronavirus stuff is all over and all the lockdowns and all the precautions are over and we're around giving high fives, hugging people, loving on people, doing whatever we want. Doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh man, we can't wait. But what, what would be really fun is when the lockdowns are, are set up and we can actually like go places. I mean, I love the Maritimes. I love being here, but we also love to travel. In fact, my wife during lockdown had... Uh, three grandparents die in the United States and was not able to go to the funeral because of the lockdowns. And so we, we would love for this stuff to be over, to get back to normal life. That would be fantastic. And one of the things 
that, that I was thinking about just with this illustration as I thought, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to go wherever you want, you know, not worry about, you know, all the money that you've saved during lockdown, maybe if you've had your job in place and you've been able to, to like, you know, not go and do lots of stuff. And so what, where would we go? And I thought, you know what? I've never been to Paris. I thought that, that might be fun. What, what if when lockdowns are over, I were to, to plan a, a trip and take my wife to Paris. And so, you know, I imagine how fun that would be with Tracy. And so let's, let's imagine that I make all the plans and I go ahead and I, I, I block all the dates out on my calendar and I, uh, I book the flight and, and pay for it. I pay for all the hotels. I start to make all the plans of the things that we're going to do. I mean, I am spending all kinds of money, right? And I never tell Tracy. And, and so the big day arrives and all of a sudden I, I start pulling out the suitcases and I'm loading up my clothes and, and packing. And, and, and she says, whoa, 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 Joel, what are you doing? Where are you going? And I say, well, come on, honey, we're going to Paris. Go ahead, pack a bag, let's go. Our flight leaves this morning. And she says, what? No, we, we did not agree to this. I have clients to see this week. I have plans that I've already made. Now, I would be pretty upset. I'd say, Tracy, what, why have you done this to me? Don't you love me? I thought you loved me. I thought you wanted the best for me. I thought you wanted to prosper me and not to harm me. And here you go, spoiling all my hopes and dreams. And is that not how we often do the very same thing with God? Uh, Duncan Banatine is a Scottish multimillionaire who you may know from the Canadian TV show, Dragon's Den. And everybody ever watched Dragon's Den? He was on there uh, for some years and, and uh, it's on the CBC network. And, and so he wrote about a time when he went on a trip to Romania and he was exposed to the horrible conditions that many of the children experience there. And he writes these words in his autobiography. He says, for me, the tears came at about 10 o'clock that night. I went outside and found a quiet place at the side of the house. I couldn't stop the tears. My face was wet, my nose began to run, and I was a mess. I had no choice but to let the tears flow. And they just kept pouring out of me and wouldn't stop. After many minutes, I began to get the feeling that I wasn't alone. And it was there. And then that God said, hello. I, I felt that I had been consumed by this presence, that, that something had completely shrouded and taken hold of me. It was unmistakable. I knew who had come, and I also knew why. It was not just a spiritual thing. It was a Christian thing. And I felt I was being told, you've arrived. Join the faith. Be a Christian. This is it. It was profound. And I stood there stunned, considering the offer and thinking about what it would mean. And then look at what he said as he, as he finishes this little story in his autobiography. I knew that I wanted to keep 
on building my businesses and I wanted to keep making money. And I also knew that I wanted to to carry on doing all the things I wasn't proud of. I knew I was never going to be this totally Christian guy going to church on Sundays. So I said, no, I'm not ready. And God said, okay, and disappeared. And this is not an unfamiliar story, right? We hear this all the time because this is how God works. He comes to us in in moments of vulnerability and he speaks his love into our lives and he begins to reveal to us maybe just a little part of what his plan for us will be. But when it does not line up with our plans and what we want and what we dream for ourselves, then many times people say, sorry, God, no thanks and walk away. In fact, you know, we even teach our children this from the very youngest of ages. How many of you are familiar with this book, Dr. Seuss? Oh, the places you'll go. We buy this book for our children. Uh, We had it for our children in my home growing up. In fact, Tracy and I even bought it for a number of graduates over the years. And then I started to pay attention to some of the words and how anti-biblical some of it actually is. Now, I love Dr. Seuss, but, but listen to this. Listen. It says, you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You are on your own and you know what you know and you are the guy who will decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About some you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not so good street. And yet that's the exact opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible says that our plans, our dreams are so often foolish and self-serving. That what God wants for us is to get a hold of not where we want to go, but where he wants us to go. And so here's what we're gonna do here to finish up this summer series called All Things New. Today, we're going to talk about a new kind of planning. Just for a few minutes, I promise we're almost about halfway through, but, but now we finally get to what the point is. It took me a while to get there, okay? And so, so what we're gonna talk about is a new way to plan things in our lives. As a Christian, how should we make plans? And listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. And he told them this parable. Jesus said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, oh, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain, and oh, the places I will go. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with everyone who stores up 
things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Because remember, remember, God has not promised to bless plans that he was never involved in making. Isn't that what Jesus is saying here? And so look at James 4, verse 13. James 4, 13 says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, I will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. In other words, this is about our dreams, our plans, what we want to do. Maybe it involves money or a certain relationship or where we want to live or where we want to go. But listen to James 4. Let's pick it up at verse 13 again and keep right on to verse 15. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Why? Because God has never promised to bless plans that he was not involved in making. And so what James does here in verse 15 is he gives us this this phrase that encapsulates this new way of thinking, this new way of speaking that the Bible encourages us to use. If it is the Lord's will. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so if there's anything we've learned in this pandemic, it's that nobody knows what tomorrow holds, right? And so I want to give you this thought. We should hold loosely to our plans, but tightly to our God. Amen? We should hold loosely to our plans, but tightly to our God. Here's a fun little note from history. Uh, For a few thousand years, many believers, many uh, uh, God-fearing people have written a, a type of signature where at the end of their letter or at the end of a correspondence, they'll put their name and then write two little letters, D, V. Have you ever seen that before? It's kind of an old thing. People don't tend to do it anymore these days. But it used to be very common where, where if, you, if you look back throughout history, many times even many famous people would come to the end of a particular correspondence or a letter and they would write DV. And here's why. Here's what it means. Dio volente. It's Latin. And what does Dio volente mean in Latin? It means God willing. If God wills it according to God's will. And so maybe don't you think that 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 is what we should be doing, writing on all of our hopes and writing on all of our dreams and plans, Dio volente, if it is God's will, let his will be done. In other words, it's a way of saying, I'm going to hold loosely to my plans, but tightly to my God. 
And so let's go back through this scripture one more time, just, just to get it rooted in our hearts and our minds. Let's read it out loud together this time. Are you ready? You can do that with us at home or wherever you are online too. It's really important for us to be able to, to get this down inside of us. James 4 verse 13 says, here we go. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so let's practice. What we're going to do is I just want to make a few statements, talk about some plans, and then you fill in the plans by saying, "Uh uh-oh, but if it is the Lord's will, okay? So I'll say something, and then when I get to the end of what, what I'm planning, then you say, if it is the Lord's will. And so let's just start with that fun one. Maybe at the end of the lockdown, maybe Tracy and I will go to Paris. I don't know. If what? If it is the Lord's will. You know, uh, one day this church, we believe, is going to reach thousands and thousands of more people for Jesus. If what? If it is the Lord's will. One day this church is going to equip smaller churches all throughout the Maritimes to more effectively reach their communities for Jesus. If what? If it is the Lord's will. One day we're going to raise up countless leaders from around the nations with with hundreds of, of small groups led by Latinos and Nigerians and Filipinos and, and Koreans from every part of the world. If what? If it is the Lord's will. One day we're going to help plant Francophone Wesleyan churches, Les Eglises Francaises, up and down the Acadian coast and into Quebec. If what? If it is the Lord's will. Pourquoi? Parce que le mort de Duchamp, oui? C'est vrai, n'est-ce pas? If it is the Lord's will. When I'm old, I might even retire and move to Florida like my father. If what? If it is the Lord's will. But here's the problem. I haven't talked to Tracy about that one yet. So, so it's also if it's Tracy's will. And so listen, this is such a, a small but powerful change in thinking. It seems so small, but the consequences are are so huge when we reshape our thinking and our speaking. Instead of getting God involved in my plan, it's about seeking to be part of his plan. And guess what? The guy who wrote these words, did you know that this guy, James, actually had a really famous brother James grew up in a good Jewish family in Nazareth. James had a wonderful mother named Mary, who became kind of famous. James had a a father who was a skilled craftsman. And I wonder what kind of plans James had for himself when he was growing up. But there there became a bit of a complication, a bit of a, a problem for whatever James' plans were for himself because this guy who wrote these words was James, the half-brother of Jesus. Mary was his mother as well. And, and this irritating problem began when his, his brother Jesus turned 30 and began to call himself 
the Son of God. And this was not part of James's plan. And we actually see in Scripture that he was irritated by Jesus. In the Gospels, we read that, that James and his brother gave Jesus a hard time. The, the Bible says that in the Gospels that they teased their brother Jesus. They mocked him. They didn't believe that their brother, the Messiah, was the Son of God until something happened, until something happened one day when one day Jesus was crucified and buried dead in the grave. And then on the third day, he rose again, resurrected to do new life. And listen, listen, whenever somebody is resurrected to life, comes back to life again, that has a way of changing all your plans, right? You see, James, James did not plan to become a follower of Jesus. James did not plan to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James did not plan to be be persecuted for his faith in Jesus. But nevertheless, James said, just like his half-brother Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, Father, but yours be done. And it was this very guy, James, who wrote these words in chapter 4, verse 13, and said, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. If what? If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so I've asked Corinne to sing a very old song for us. This song was written 150 years ago in New York City in the year 1874. And so I want you to listen to this song first, and then I'm going to come back and explain to you a little bit about how this song was written. Listen to this. And all the way my Savior leads me, what have I to This old song was written by a lady named Fanny Crosby. And let me read to you what Robert Morgan says. When Fanny J. Crosby wrote this song, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, What Have I to Ask Beside? She was expressing her own testimony of God's guidance. Even her blindness, she realized, was part of God's plan. 
when Fanny was a little baby, about six weeks old, her parents had realized that something was wrong with her eyes. The local, local doctor was away, but the Crosbys found a man who claimed to be a physician. He put hot poultice on the baby's inflamed eyes, insisting that it would draw out the infection. Well, eventually the infection did clear up, but white scars appeared, and in the months that followed, it became clear that baby Fanny was blind. And yet this stimulated other gifts, such as her memory. As a child, Fanny memorized whole sections of the Bible, including most of the Pentateuch, the four Gospels, all of Proverbs, and various portions of other books. And so whenever she wanted to read a passage, she would just turn there in her mental Bible and read it verbatim. She said when she was 85 years old, this holy book has nurtured me my entire life. Fanny said that she viewed her blindness as a gift from God, believing that he had given her a particular kind of soul vision which equipped her for the work that God had called her to do. It was the best thing that could have happened to me, she declared. How in the world could I have ever lived such a helpful life had I not been blind? Don't blame the doctor, Fanny said. He is probably dead by this time. But if I could meet him, I would tell him that he unwittingly did me the greatest favor in the world. And so this song that she wrote. This song was written in, in 1854 as she lived in an apartment in New York City and one month she was struggling and could not pay her rent. And so she got down in that little apartment and she began to pray that God would answer her prayer. Oh Lord, I have a need. And just then there was a knock at the door. And so she went and she, she opened the door and there stood a man who said a word to her, reached out to take hold of her hand and in her blindness, she could feel that he put something in it. It turned out that this man who then turned and walked away had put a $10 bill in her hand, the very amount that she needed to pay her rent. And so it was that very night that she sat down and she wrote the words to this song. Do with all things well For I know 
So, Father, we thank you for your presence in this room today. And for people online, wherever they might be, Lord, we know that no matter what the world has said about them, you have not forgotten them, that you love them so much that Jesus came to make a way. We thank you for the faithfulness of the brother of Jesus who was born later, who learned to trust, who learned to be content no matter the circumstances and to say, whatever I plan, whatever I think, I know that I must depend on my God. And so in all things that we would say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so, Lord, for anyone right now who needs to make a decision to surrender to Jesus, Lord, we pray that you would be speaking into their hearts even right now. And if you need to surrender to Jesus, the Bible says that you must confess your sin and declare that Jesus is Lord in your life. Allow him to come in and wash you clean, to forgive you and set you free from the bondage, from the death that is the consequence of sin. And so right now, would you just confess? Say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I confess that I've lived life my own way according to my plan and my hopes and dreams. But here and now, I declare that you are my master you are my God, and I will follow wherever you lead me. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? That when we get to the end of our lives, we could confidently declare, Jesus led me all the way in the good times and in the bad, in the celebration and in the tears. So, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in our lives. And for anyone right now who is surrendering to a new level of commitment, whether it's crossing that line of faith for the very first time 
or whether it's a rededication that says, today, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. No more turning back. I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Lord, may you seal that commitment in people's hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.